It is pride. All right. So, first of all, I want to say happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there and all the people that have fathers. Um, and so I was originally going to make this about um, how I've gotten closer to my father since his passing. But over the last couple days, and I knew this, this was going to be my original intent for this month was to dedicate it to pride. And I think my father, I know because I have a relationship with my father now that he would have wanted me to do what I originally wanted to do, which is to dedicate this month to pride and to really telling my story of coming out and the things that I've had to deal with and the things that I've learned along the way. Um, I feel like there's a lot of information and there's a lot of misinformation that's out there. And um, it's detrimental to people like people are literally being destroyed and destroying themselves because of misinformation and because there's not enough people telling their story and also having facts to back up their beliefs and feelings about themselves. And there's so much information out there, but it's still not being brought to life. And that's what I'm on a journey to do this month, because that's what my life has been that's been my journey of figuring a lot of this stuff out and learning um on my own because it's not readily given information which is unfortunate so basically my story starts um when i was about five years old like this is st i've heard the story so many different times from so many people but when i was about five years old i basically knew that I was different as far as like what I liked like I was more attracted to girls and I wanted to um basically impress them and all this other stuff and like yeah I just was running with the guys I wanted to be one of the guys and I wanted to impress the girls so I was just like I didn't know what that was but I knew it was different and um you know growing up uh it was difficult because like I don't know why that people make it such a big deal. I just don't get it for one, but like church constantly talked about it and about how it's a sickness. And then, you know, I remember seeing people like gay people out in public and like family members or whatever the case may be saying, Oh, that's just sick. And this, that, and the third, um, because they look different or it may be a, a, a man that was very effeminate or a woman that was very masculine and all this other stuff. And so it just created this, thing like in the back of my head where I'm just digesting I'm like you're talking about me but you know I can't say that and I'm just like basically internalizing all this stuff um so it really was tough growing up and plus I was in I grew up in the outskirts of Houston so Katy Texas and I was the only black person in almost all my classes from elementary all the way into high school like very few black people and then like non-existent gay people that were out like there literally was none like, I remember there's one kid who was very flamboyant he was black he came from another school and literally he was there for a month because he got teased so heavily and so bad like it was so homophobic it was ridiculous it's crazy so and I know some of y'all out there y'all out now but y'all wasn't out and neither was I because it was horrible to try to be out in that place. And I mean, I meet people now who had this 
you know, they their parents always knew and there's gay people in the schools and it was just like not a big deal for them. But I just really did not have that experience at all whatsoever. Like it really was a struggle. And another thing is just I was sheltered and I didn't even know what it was. Like I, I remember, what was it, gay why? People used to say gay why and gay in the 90s or whatever. And I didn't even, like everything used to be gay. I didn't even know what gay was. Like, oh, that's gay. This is gay. So I'm just confused. Like, well, what the hell is it? Like, you know, everything bad is gay. So just like, okay, well, I mean, I don't know what this is. So that whole thing. And also I remember um, growing up, my mom told me about this, uh, these girls at her school, um, her high school or something like that, uh, where there's a masculine woman and a feminine woman were in a relationship with each other. And um, from what I remember, she told me that uh, – I guess the masculine woman broke up with her, broke up with the feminine woman or the uh, she cheated on her or something like that. And the girl, the, the feminine woman, took some hairspray, put fire to it and burned the girl's face off, like burned her face up. So I'm a child growing up knowing that I'm attracted to women and I am more masculine so I'm internalizing this in like, I still have to struggle with these things, like these things that I've heard as a child and growing up believing that if I'm go, if I decide to be with this woman that I feel tr- attracted to, like I'm going to go to hell or I'm going to get my burn, my face burned off. Like th- what? I'm not doing nothing with nobody. I'm just chilling. Like I'm chilling. Like what? So that was like a lot um dealing with all this stuff and then so uh I didn't even I never came out to myself uh until after my dad died so like let's go in chronological order so my dad died when I was around 19 and that was around the time where I was really trying to figure out who I was and so when he died of cancer when I was 19 it really just was like okay yeah I really have to figure out life and I wasn't even thinking about being gay or anything I didn't think about anything I was just trying to figure out who I was in life in general and I got really uh spiritual or holier than thou like I really wanted to understand spirituality because for one a couple days after my dad died because I didn't have a good relationship with my dad he was sick for a long time like he literally was basically diagnosed diagnosed with ataxia if you don't know what it is google it um when I was born and it slowly progressed uh, over my lifetime. He got more and more sick, had to be, by the time I was in high school, he was bedridden. When I was in junior high, he was on a cane and then in a wheelchair. So, and I'd had to help him throughout my childhood. Well, not childhood, but like junior high, high school type stuff. And a lot of times when people are physically ill, they also become mentally ill and they become very verbally abusive and mean and that's what I had to deal with when I was in junior high through high school and I did not like my father at all whatsoever I like really did not like him because he was just mean and I had to take care of him at the same time like that sucked so when he died when I was 19 uh, my family was mad at me but I literally did not react at all he was really really sick by the time I by the time he died at 19 when I was 19 
And I loved him, of course. He's my father. But at the same time, I would had no emotions towards him at all. I just had none. And so I just act like nothing happened. And I think for me, like, people get angry. There's sometimes, like, there are some people that don't react in certain situations. And it's not because they're cold-hearted or because they have no feelings or whatever. They're authentically being who they are in that moment. And whenever it's their time to feel whatever they're supposed to feel, that's when they're going to feel it. So for me, my moment came two to three days after my dad died. I was heavily writing music just because I needed it a lot at that time. And that's why I'm so passionate about music now. But um, I was writing a song and I basically started it off as a conversation to my dad because I'd never really had a conversation with my dad. And um, so I was just talking to him. And basically, like, that's the way I wrote the lyrics. I started, you know, with a conversation. And then he, like, halfway through me writing, I felt like it was no longer me. And he actually started to talk back to me. And I could tell by the way the wor- the way I felt, the way it felt, felt like I wasn't writing it anymore. And he was speaking to me, like, he like the way he was speaking. And I, the only people that I've ever heard the song was people who were around me in that time. I also posted on Facebook a long time ago. And other than that, I have it in my uh, USB cassettes with my EP. If you haven't gotten that, hit my DM if you want it. Um, but I have a video talking about that and the actual song in there. But he actually started to speak to me and told me that, you know, it wasn't him. It was basically all the pain and things like that that had come over him through his life and that basically he was abused when he was a child and growing up and like his childhood was horrible and so and then he got sick on top of that he wanted to take care of us and we ended up having to take care of him and that was really tough for him so basically he literally just broke it down to me I had never thought about it because I never really had a conversation and I was just used to him cussing me out and being mean to me so at that point, like midway, when he st- when I realized that he was talking to me, I bust out in tears and I called my mom and I was like, I was right, like I could barely even speak and I was just like, you know, in tears, call- telling her like dad's talking to me through my rap and she was just telling me like, continue, finish it, like fa- finish the rap, whatever. So I got the phone with her, I finished it, and then later I recorded it and I actually ended up performing it at the funeral and um we played it in the limousine like nobody ever in my family anybody around me at that time nobody ever questioned that it was my dad speaking to me because it was clear like it literally there was no reason to question it and so we played it in the limousine the whole time like the whole time we were in the limousine at every point it was just on repeat and that was my first encounter as a semi-adult basically of the spiritual realm and like like having a conversation with my father who was no longer here having that kind of spiritual experience I had those type of experiences when I was a kid and I think a lot of us do but we kind of like oh that's kid stuff like that wasn't real it's real so that being said this is going to be a very long podcast so I there's a lot I'm sure this is going to be multiple I'm going to talk about this on multiple occasions but so that was a huge like awakening thing like red pill moment um and so after that I was just like obsessed with 
the spiritual world and understanding what was going on with my dad what was going on with me like what's life what is life and um i ended up reading a book i'm not gonna say the name of the book because i didn't have the greatest experience after reading it about to lose my mind after reading it it was about spiritual warfare warfare and um you really have to be ready to read a spiritual warfare book i was like 18 19 and it just kind of put me in a negative place because um it just made like pointed out all the evils in the world and how to find out like look into people and see evil everywhere it was just horrible like i was just very judgmental at that time and i was attracting negative evil spirits like literally i could feel it i could see them now like when you become aware of these things they become real and i was just like you know what uh huh, don't want that <laughs> psych not today so over time like i started to push people away because i was just judgmental i was like holier than thou i was very into um and not to say that the stuff that i was thinking or feeling wasn't true it was just that it was the negative side of life the negative side of the world so you can have an opinion that's very very true but it doesn't make you feel good. It doesn't make you happy. It doesn't make the people around you happy. And where do you go from there? Like, what's the next steps? So I got to that point. I was like, uh, I'm not feeling this. Like, nobody likes to be around me. This is horrible. And I'm negative and I'm not fun. <laughs> I'm not having fun in life. So basically I prayed for, and this is like the first time I really had a real, I started to have a real relationship with God in the spiritual world. And so I prayed one night after I just pushed everybody away um, for compassion and understanding because I realized that that's like a huge thing that I was missing. And what's the point of having being all this wokeness and all this other stuff if you can't speak to people and they feel like you care because you don't care. You're not caring about them. You're just caring about this idea of spirituality. So. I prayed that prayer literally that night I felt a soft voice say you're gay and people have questioned me on that or whatever are you sure that was God or the angels or whatever your inner being maybe it was the devil I know I know like I've been uh in spiritual situations and I can tell the difference in the voices and the feelings that I get and it's something I already knew. It wasn't a surprise. I knew that already. But I had never said it to myself. And in that moment, recognizing that within myself gave me understanding for human beings and gave me compassion because immediately I went from holier than thou then you know, in the spaces of church being the most, the worst sinful person ever to walk earth or whatever, like without even doing anything at all whatsoever, like not changing a thing. I was a virgin. I had not done anything, but instantly just being gay, being attracted to women, I'm instantly in abomination and all this other crazy stuff. So I don't know if y'all still with me. This is for, it's not for everybody. And I'm, I'm okay with that. So um but yeah so that happened and uh, my mom had booked an appointment with a christian counsel counselor for our whole family we did one together and mainly it was just my mom and my sister talking because i was nearly mute for like 
most of junior high until high school and like I just didn't talk I literally was very 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 quiet and in that session I didn't say nothing so she also booked one where after my dad died basically to make sure we was mentally okay glad that happened so then I had a private session with the counselor and I sat down I was like hello she's like hello I'm gay and I was <laughs> I'll cry I was just like like bawling tears and just like because I had never said it out loud I literally had never said it out loud and it was just like an explosion of just tears it's just like <sighs> and I don't want to be addicted to heroin and crack and uh all this I don't want to be promiscuous and I don't want to all kinds of just stereotypical things I was just like I don't want to be sick I don't want to go to hell just everything on earth I was just like I don't want it and she uh she was like well Amber you're literally not the same you're not any different like you're literally the same person and she said that she's the first person I had ever heard this from she said that there are same-sex couples that go on to lead normal lives they have families they fall in love and they're happy they have regular careers they're not on drugs they're regular people and I was just like really you mean to tell me I can be like I can like be happy <laughs> at some point like I can be normal I can still be me it's just like yeah like nothing has changed and um she actually recommended a book called healing the child within which is this book it's a, a life changer I think we should all seek to heal the child within because we all have things that we need to heal from it's just the nature of coming to this earth so um that was something that really changed my life and that same day i'm like "Ooh, i'm glad i got that out yes feeling on top of the world and then i'm like i'm gonna tell my mom that i'm gay so i got home and uh i was like okay mom i'm gay and wasn't the same reaction at all so um basically she's just like i feel like i had lost i've lost another family member and I was like, um, okay. And then I left. I think I went upstairs because I was still living there. And it was not easy for her. And she did not take it well at all. She's come a long way, but she did not take it well at all. And, of course, that was painful for me because I literally am the same person that she gave birth to. I did not change at all. And for me, I kind of like, how you didn't know? Like, you didn't have no suspicions, whatever that word is. <laughs> You didn't have no kind of nothing, you didn't think? So, uh, yeah, so that happened. And I had, like, thank the Lord for this book called What the Bible Really Says About Homosexuality. So I got that on Amazon, Back in the Gap. Um, and I, was, I think it was about 20 years old when I actually came out and all this happened. Not long after my dad died, so... Um, I read that book and it really just opened my eyes. Like there's another red pill moment where now I'm questioning religion and I had never questioned religion, even though I was very spiritual. I had like a lot of questions. I had a lot of thoughts about what was said, but I never questioned the validity of like the interpretations of the Bible and, um, just so many different things that we just never think to question until, like I said in the last pod, uh, podcast, Lord, I need some water. Um, until you lose a part of the simulation, 
And I lost a part of the simulation because it's almost like you can't be gay and spiritual at the same time, which um, the next part of this segment, I'm actually going to break down some of the things that I've learned through, you know, books like this and others. I'm not going to uh, break down all the quotes of the Bible on this episode. I may have an episode specifically for uh, gay and spirituality or gay and the Bible, like specifically about that. But yeah, so I learned a lot and you'd be surprised. So um, yeah, so after that, I really like reading books have changed my entire life. Like I literally don't know where I would be if it wasn't for books, like certain books that came into my life at the perfect time, because there just wasn't this information. I couldn't find the information anywhere. And also YouTube, like people telling their stories on YouTube, like Studology 101 changed. Like I didn't have anybody around me that was gay or out or anything like that, that I could just talk to um, for a lot of it. And like some of these videos on YouTube really helped me. I think, uh, Dollface Barbie was another one back in the gap on YouTube. Shout out to Dollface Barbie and Studology 101 because I was watching it heavy because they had similar stories and I didn't have anybody to talk to about this stuff. So, and then I did get people over time, um, but in the very beginning, it was YouTube. And that's the only reason why I'm doing this now because um there are people out there that are coming out that are dealing with different things that are you know they have families and they're trying to decide and like trying to love themselves trying to be true to themselves and also be who they are like be spiritual and care about the people that are around them which is really tough and it's unfortunate so and I'm going to talk about all like the politics behind stuff and like you know on the next segment um but so that was a big thing and I wrote down notes just because I wanted to make sure I got everything in there. Um, so after that, uh, I came out to basically everybody else, all my family and friends through Facebook. Um, it was actually through a song that I made. And I got a lot of backlash. I got a lot of Bible thumpers trying to tell me some stuff about the Bible. And I had already read it in the Bible. And a lot of people who talk about homosexuality in the Bible, for one, haven't actually done the research, like haven't even looked in the Bible to see what it actually says and haven't actually thought about it on their own. And for the few people that do, like I kind of question, like there's literally only seven mentions. I don't even know if it's seven out of all the things in the Bible. It's mentioned seven times. So if you feel so strongly that you need to go and research these seven scriptures, nine times out of ten, you got you got some gay, you got some LGBT up in you, okay? <laughs> and like, it's crazy. But this book actually breaks it down to where like nine times out of ten, based on um based on the scripture interpretation and also uh the time. It doesn't, like, God has nothing, this has nothing to do with God. Like, homosexuality, the way they broke it down, it really has nothing to do, of what we think of it now, has nothing to do with what they were talking about in the Bible or our situation in 2019. And it's just insane. So, anyway, I'm trying not to get ahead of myself. But, so, I got a lot of backlash. 
and I had already educated myself. So if I hadn't, I would be very like down. Like, I don't know what kind of place I would be because it was family. There was people I didn't know, just random people on Facebook, people that I thought were friends. I actually like had got became friends with this guy who was Muslim. And, um, when I came out, he decides to tell me that I'm going to burn in hell, burn in hell, because I am drunk off my lust for women. Now, mind you, I was still a virgin. This guy had been to jail and came back for robbery and all kinds of theft, all kinds of stuff, had all kinds of baby mamas, like, but I'm going to burn in hell because I'm drunk off my lust for women. I'm just like, what? That's insane. Like, that's crazy. And I'm glad that, like, and of course, these things hurt. Of course. I remember, I'll never forget these types of things. But at the same time, like, because I had, I had started to develop a spiritual relationship of my own. And because I had these books that I could turn to and read, like, over and over and over again to equip myself with knowledge. Because knowledge really is power. It's not power over anybody else. Is power over your own self and to not be controlled by ignorant people who have not done their own research to figure out what's going on with somebody else's situation. So, and also knowledge to not judge people. Like the more you learn, the more you realize that it makes no sense to judge another person because you'll never know, you'll never understand. You know what I mean? So, because you're not them. And so, uh, yeah, that happened. Um, then I had a situation where this guy... I'm just in, I'm working at Guitar Center and I used to dress more like with baggy clothes and like more masculine seeming, I guess. And I used to track weird people. And so this guy, I think he was a pastor. I don't know what he was, but he was like, you know what? I figured it out. I figured it out. I know why people are gay. And he was like, the reason why people is gay, women, is because they moms was tickling them when they was babies. And then with guys, they dads was tickling them when they was babies. And that's why they turned out gay. And I was just like, huh? What? What kind of logic are you? What? How? And he was dead serious. I promise you this dude was dead serious. He literally was dead serious. I was just like, Lord had mercy. What? And just the, there's so many irrational theories. There's like people are like, oh, it's because uh, this guy's gay because the dad wasn't in the home. This girl was gay because the dad wasn't in the home. Well, based on your daggone uh, uh, hypothesis, that should mean if a, uh, if a guy is gay because his dad is not in the home, then a girl should be gay because his her mom would not be in the, in the home. So either way, it don't matter. So what? That had nothing to do with nothing. Like, all these ridiculous things, just trying to figure out, trying to slap some kind of label, slap some kind of explanation on some stuff that don't need to be explained and does not matter. Like, really, just mind your business. Just mind your business. And it's really unfortunate that, like, people go so hard on gays. And I'm going to break it down why. And it's really detrimental to the culture, especially b black culture. And I feel like it was by design to separate uh the gays from the like black culture and turn us against each other like it's just ridiculous so i am going to 
put on a little mix and then I'm gonna tell y'all about the things that I've learned and uh we gonna go from there just some little history and education you know what I'm saying because it's important and so let's do this let's go yeah we're slowing it down for the next part because we got real talk going on yeah you 
yeah, yeah. Talk about a Netflix and chill. I'm up in the kitchen, about to whip up a meal. I don't know the deal, got some mind for feels. Sometimes the best thing to do is yeah. sleep. Yeah. We ain't gotta go to the club. Some of the things that I learned along the way um, through various books and things like that. And it was very important to me to do my due diligence because I was just not trying to just dive up in hell. Like, <laughs> I mean, for me, I was just like, I would rather just not be with anybody because it wasn't like it just wasn't going to work with no guys. And I just wasn't trying to go to hell. So I was just like, you know what? I'm going to try to figure this out before I do anything, literally. So uh, all through my early 20s, like, I was really on a spiritual journey of awakening and, like, educating myself on who I am, basically. So nobody could tell me who I am because I knew that if I were to die to there tomorrow, it's my responsibility to have the knowledge. Like, I can't depend on somebody else to tell me what's going to get me into hell and what's not. And I can't um, depend on anybody else to tell me what's okay. Whether that's, should I be with a woman and just like possibly go to hell? Or do I need to do some research to realize that there are other things, there are other gifts, there's reason why I am who I am and that love is love. And 
God blesses love. God loves love. So I had to figure that out for myself because I didn't trust nobody. I, I, did, I wasn't about to trust gay people, what gay people were saying. I wasn't about to trust straight people, what straight people saying, and what people said about the Bible. I wanted to find out for myself because at the end of the day, I have a responsibility to me. Other people have a responsibility to themselves. I'm not going to depend on outside forces. So in that time, when basically I was just like, really looked down upon by everybody that I I felt like it I, maybe I wasn't you know some people may have thought I was brave whatever the case may be but there's oh and telling me at that time but um I really had to depend on my relationship with myself and with spiritual like spirituality and for the first time in my life I well I wouldn't say the first time because when you're a child I feel like you're naturally um attuned to these positive energies and these positive things in life and things like that. Um, but so I started to think about angels more so than demons and the devil and, you know, all this evil sin, all this other stuff. And I started to think about like, can I have a relationship with angels? Can I have a relationship with my guardian angels? Can I have a relationship with my father? Because he so uh, bust up in my rap one time and like, okay like I didn't know you rap like that okay so I was like can I have a relationship with my ancestors like what's the possibility what's the possibilities for me like is it possible for me to have a soulmate or a like this deep spiritual relationship with a woman with somebody that I feel like that I could actually be attracted to and like forever like you know what I mean and so those are the questions that I started asking myself and I wanted to just be very educated on things like sex and on spirituality, the possible, the spiritual possibilities for a relationship, not just, you know, how to get somebody on Tinder, like, you know, how to talk to girls. Like I wanted to know, like, can we like, ha- is it possible that I had a past life with this person and I could have a, a, a present life with this person and have it be beautiful and have heaven on earth with someone or have heaven on earth with myself And so I just questioned everything and like what I learned from the different books that I like, ultimately I feel like the biggest thing that has carried me that has been consistent that I've learned, which was kind of like a revelation of a combination of things. And it's basically the idea of both and neither. Like you can be both and neither. There's something, things that can be both and neither like right or wrong. I don't think it's right or wrong. I think it could be both and neither. Like something that's wrong for one person is right for another person. And something that's right for one person is wrong for the other person. Or situationally, something that's right in the moment may be wrong in another moment. So there are both and neither. I feel like you can be like being gay could be wrong for a straight person, clearly, because you're straight. But being straight could be wrong for a gay person. So at the end of the day, like, who are you as an individual? What's right for you? And um, just really understanding who you are and do due diligence in everything that you have going on. So one of the big revelations that I, I basically just experienced it myself, how once I came out and I wasn't dependent on the, the church or anybody else to tell me what spirituality is or you know what I should do with my life and all this other stuff 
I developed a relationship with the spiritual realm and like I just became a lot more of how I was as a child where I could just feel spirits and feel guided and guidance and going with my inner being and I don't always I still have fears still have things that I struggle with but a lot more than I did before and it just was different and so over time it was really hard to find information on it but over time I learned about how before like I started to question like what who came up with homosexuality like what who came up with that word and then I found this book called the Invention of heterosexuality and I read it a while ago and I thought it was really interesting but I just recently read it again and I just saw something that I don't even remember if I saw before or I just don't think it popped like it did when I just recently read it I was just like wow you mean to tell me that <laughs> I was just reading this book like what so basically it's called the invention of heterosexuality all right think about like that's something most people never even thought to question about like who invented heterosexuality the word so a man named dr james g kiernan um was the first known person to use the word heterosexuality and he used it in a book or a a journal basically um breaking down different sexual perversions so that lets you know right off the top that likely the word heterosexuality doesn't mean or heterosexual doesn't mean what we thought it meant because he specifically used it as a word denoting sexual perversions in that time, which was 1862, so uh, about 100 years ago. A little over, don't quote my math, I think it's over 100 years ago. Not that long ago, like my grandpa's almost 100 years. So, yeah. So, basically... What he said it means, and I had to read this. I had to read this like thirty times to really like, huh? How can I put this in layman terms? I think I kind of get it, but I got to read it a few more times so I can put it in layman terms. So basically, it says these heterosexuals were associated with a mental condition, psychical hermaphroditism. So if you don't know what a hermaphrodite is, I didn't know what it was for a while, and that just kind of blew my mind too. So hermaphrodites are people who are born with both sexes. So basically, a it could be a person who has both a vagina and a penis at the same time and they can reproduce through both which blows my mind but and they definitely do uh exist it is scientific fact that these people do exist so it kind of just makes you think like so are they gay are they straight are they lgbtq like what are they they're hermaphrodites like they were born with both okay so, and also that's very common in, um, like plants and different things like that. And those are like, that's a gift. Like you can reproduce two different ways. Like you can be pregnant and also get somebody pregnant at the same time. Like, wow, it's crazy. So just makes you think, you know what I mean? So basically he's saying this is psychical hermaphroditism. So in your mind, you're a hermaphrodite. So basically you have feelings back in that time, their understanding of sexuality was slim to none they're really trying to figure some things out we still try to figure things out we know more about the universe than we know about sexuality and gender and things like that so just goes to show you um so basically it says the syndrome assumed that feelings had a biological sex heterosexuals experience so-called 
male erotic attraction to females and so-called female erotic attraction to male. That is, these heterosexuals periodically feel inclinations to both sexes. The hetero is these, and these uh, heterosexuals refer not to their interest in a different sex, but to their desire for two different sexes, feeling desire inappropriate, supposedly for their sex. These heterosexuals were guilty of what we now think of as gender and erotic deviance. So I read that like 30 times. And basically in that time, and this is the most layman terms way that I figured out how to say it. So basically we understand the concept of a top and a bottom in a uh, LGBT relationship. People are always like, are you the top or are you the bottom? Basically a top is someone that is more masculine. Usually a man is the top or the masculine figure and they're more aggressive assertive you know penetrating okay the bottom more submissive more feminine being penetrated blah 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 so basically the original um meaning for a heterosexual was actually a man who had the desire to be a bottom for a woman or a woman who had the desire to be a top for a man. Now think about that. Think about that. So, now, that is the original 1892 definition of a heterosexual. Now I got a story for y'all. So, a while back, I was going to these um, different... um, meetings because it was right after they had a lot of shootings with Trayvon Martin and Michael Brown and it was just back to back it was just ridiculous and um they had an organization that would have meetings every week and we'd meet and talk about different black issues and it just so happens that there came a time where it was the relationship and love and black family um episode or uh, you know meeting and I was just like, oh, Lord, here we go. I already know what's coming. And any most black gay people get what I'm talking about. Because a lot of times when um, black people get together and want to talk about issues in the black community about relationships and love, they want to throw gay people under the bus as if we didn't jump inside their relationship and say, hey, let's all be gay. No. So. I get to the I get there talking about different issues blah 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 and of course somebody says yeah and you know it's hard because uh they got this homosexual agenda and uh you know they got people out here twerking and these boys ain't growing up to be men and these women is out here trying to be men and they want to be the man of the household and all this stuff and it's just hard because the world is switched and blah 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 so I go up, I say my piece about, like, there's no, I don't see any other people that seem outwardly gay. Nobody say anything. I said what I said. I basically talked about how, like, you know, sometimes necessity comes into play as far as, like, a woman having to st- step up and take care of the household because my dad got sick and, you know, my mom had to take over. Of course, they didn't want to hear that, but it's real life. Like, you know, she had to take care of the family. Otherwise, we would be poor and, like, not living in nowhere. You know what I mean? So, 
Um, but also I just was like, I don't think that being gay or gay people have anything to do with a straight person's relationship because clearly straight people's relationships ain't influencing us. Like we were born from gay or straight people for the most part. And, um, we're still gay. So I don't understand. So yeah, so I get to the end of it and I'm still like, you know, I think this is a good organization overall. Like I would like to be a part of it and, you know, I want to do something for the community and blah, blah, blah. So I get to the end and I'm like, hey, you know, I want to be a part. How can I be a part of this community or whatever? And it just so happened to be the same guy that, you know, said the stuff about gay people twerking and all this other stuff. And he was like one of the main people in the organization. And he was just like, well, you know, we're just not trying to be that diverse. And I was just like, you're not trying to be that diverse. I was like, OK, so basically you don't want gay people um being in your organization because you know you don't want to mix agendas but um if you go back in history and you research who actually arc like who was the architect of the civil rights movement and you find out that it was uh bayard let me get this bayard rustin bayard rustin and it's sad that, like, it's hard for me to re- remember his name because nobody ever talks about him, even though he literally trained Martin Luther King and the people in the civil rights how to do a nonviolent protest because he was doing nonviolent protests before anybody else. He was doing it in the 40s. And so he literally went in and worked with Martin Luther King hand in hand for years in the civil rights movement and was openly gay, had been openly gay since he was a teenager. And, um, like he got like, as the, everything was going on, he, the media basically outed him, which he was already out to everybody in the, the, you know, civil rights movement. But I guess they tolerated him because he was gifted and he was really helping with the organization and like, you know, the brains behind a lot of the operation. And so in keeping them alive. And so he got outed and instead of like standing behind him, like they just basically let him go and was just like, well, you know, we can't afford to have this reputation on us because our, um, you know, movement is too important and all this different type of stuff. Even though literally he was like the backbone of the civil rights movement and nobody ever knew who he what nobody there's like nobody even james baldwin was so revolutionary like he was up there with martin luther king and malcolm x as far as speakers who are speaking out against the in the civil rights movement and people would know of him like oh yeah i've heard of james baldwin i don't really know what he did but like and it's not no it's nobody's fault but i'm not gonna say it's nobody's fault it's somebody's fault but at the same time, we have to educate ourselves on ourselves, on who we are and things like that. And it's just unfortunate because there's so many people in the LGBT community that have been like lost their lives fighting for the black community. But at the same time, uh, if it's the other way around, you just throw us away like nothing. You know what I mean? And that's happened in all kinds of situations. And I've heard people like, well, you can't have two agendas at the same time. You can't be two people at the same time. You can't represent two things at the same. But yes, you most certainly are. If you're gay and you're black, you're gay 
and you're black. And so I don't think those things compare. I think they're totally different. But if you are both, then you are both. You know what I'm saying? And so it's just really disheartening. And another thing about the whole education situation about that is that people kind of say it's like un-African, it's un-black to be gay. And if you actually do some research, like if you do research on indigenous Africans, because there are like indigenous tribes in Africa and things like that, because Africa is very huge. It's a continent. Um, So, yeah. Uh, If you do some research and also on ancient indigenous people in the Americas, which is what most black people are in America, we're indigenous Native Americans and we're indigenous Africans combined. So our culture is both. And we've been brainwashed and colonized. We all know. So it is what it is. So before, if you think about before, if you ever question what happened before, like how were we before? Um, Before that point, in ancient Africa, in indigenous African culture, um, people like me, people in the LGBT, we were, um, we were, I wouldn't say looked up to, but we were looked to for guidance. We were the gatekeepers. We were special, like not even just like the opposite, the exact opposite of how we're treated now, literally, you know, it was a situation where, okay, these people are gifted. They have a gift. They are able to um, be in both worlds. They have um, masculine and feminine traits so they can see the world from a different perspective. And also they have spiritual gifts. Like it was a known thing. It was a known fact that people who play in both worlds as far as masculine and feminine, which are a lot of the LGBTQ um, are gifted spiritually and they have the keys to all the spiritual gates, all the spiritual realms, all the different dimensions, all the different keys to different wisdom and just that whole thing. So when you basically bash those people who were once a pillar in the community, very respected for who they were, nobody cared about what they did in their bedroom because why because who because why I don't understand why I don't get it they were um rewarded and they were looked at based on and judged based on their skill set because in Native American tribes and also in African tribes they were celebrated because they were able to not only did they have like spiritual gifts and things like that but also creativity also you know if you're a masculine woman and you're a feminine at the same time, you can do the same things that the masculine person would be able to do, like a man could do in a feminine way or with femin- like with the combination of the female, with a female touch. So it's different. It's something more than what was readily available before because you can do both. You can be in both worlds. You can go and grab berries and you can hunt and you can do all kinds, you could do both. Like, you could get you somebody that could do both. You know what I'm saying? I'm just kidding. <coughs> Not kidding. It's real. So, and that is real. That's the experience. Like, we know that that's actually happening. And I think that um, this conversation is mainly just to let people know who are LGBTQ, who live in both worlds, who are both masculine, masculine and feminine that you are powerful 
beyond measure. And this is not to say that you're any more powerful or any better than because people get too caught up. Like even with like learning about African history and learning about, um, you know, what it means to be black, black history in general, people go overboard. Like doesn't mean you're better than anybody else, but it means you're better than what they tell you. It means you're better with than what they've been trying to get you to believe. And I think that um, the black community, like I think it was an agenda, like because I think these same people, these elite people, and I don't think it's all black white situation. I think it's elites know the power of the LGBTQ. They know the power of a gay person. They know the power of the gatekeepers and they make the world because it was a political situation in the first place. So I was doing research also in this book and in the other books and some other research that I was looking at. And really the whole like thing against gay people in the first place happened in mainly in England, started off in England where they were just like, Oh, it's illegal to be gay. And it was around the 1600s, which was around the same time that the King James version, like King James ruled. And then there's a King James version and they vote on things that they want in the Bible and they vote on things that they don't want in the Bible. And then they vote on translations of words, which may or may not be true based on the agenda that they have in the moment. So the agenda for the English people back then in England was that they needed to populate because they didn't have enough soldiers. They didn't have enough people buying things. They didn't have enough people. So they created laws and created rules around um, sexuality. Like, basically, they had all these rules about you can't masturbate. It's an abomination. You cannot, men cannot uh, have sex with another man's wife, but a man can have sex with another woman, even though he's married, as long as she's not married. But a woman, she can't have sex with nobody because it messes up the whole property situation because if she gets pregnant by this other guy, then the person she's married with doesn't know whether it's his or hers. And then that goes into, you know, inheritances and all kinds of, it's, it was all about politics, all about property, all about money. And so when it came to men, because they didn't even, they actually didn't even have a problem with lesbians just because they didn't feel like that was um, like, they couldn't have children and they also weren't spilling seeds. So men, it was an abomination for men to have sex with other men because they're spilling they s- their seeds with other men. They could kiss, they could do all this other stuff, but you can't have sex with them. It's crazy. And that was an abomination. So people would be thrown into jail for adultery. They'd be thrown into jail, specifically all these different things, specifics, um, or they'd be killed and then after a while, they had to, like, you know, lessen it. And they, because they would just be killing everybody. Literally, the whole adultery thing that they was trying to kill people on, they're like, man, we got to stop because we're killing everybody. <laughs> like, we got to kind of stop because people are not going to not cheat on each other. That's a whole another conversation. But so basically what they turned to in order to control everybody was the Bible. They're like, you know what? We need a new translation of the Bible. Oh, let's see. Oh, let's add homosexual. What is homosexual? Let's make up that word real quick. Let's call this doctor here. Throw it in there. And we're going to point at these seven scriptures. And we're going to tell, like, we're going to, like, really buck it up and make people feel like if they do this, they're going to go to hell. Or they're going to go to the jail. Or we're going to kill them. Point blank, period. 
politics straight up politics and that is the beginning and then a lot of people don't also know that when the holocaust the very beginning of the holocaust the first people who the nazis took to concentration camps were homosexuals were gay people and they targeted them first because it was easier for people to not see them as human because there's so few of them and they could go and point into the bible and say look look at these scriptures it says that these people are abomination let's go and kill them let's see if people actually will be okay with that oh you are okay so now let's go and make up some other stuff and see if y'all are going to go along with it and i actually have a book called um the lucifer effect and it talks about how um organizations are able to get regular people to do extremely evil things to other people based on psychology and subconscious programming and one of the things was clothing which is crazy and they used it in um prisons they use it until this day in prisons they give the prison guards certain equipment and a certain uh outfit to wear and it makes them feel like they're they have authority and also um dampens their empathy for people and their humanness basically and then on the other hand they give the prisoners these orange jumpsuits and basically this outfit that makes them feel like they have no control that makes them feel like you know a criminal and like they are bad so it's just like psychology even the control just you know everything so a lot of this is psychology a lot of it is mind control and control period controlling the people of that time and so when you think about that and you you step back and you really think about like what is it that we really care so much about and is it really real like is it is it really important what people are doing in their bedroom? And um, this conversation is not at all for people who are all up in the Bible trying to figure out, you know, trying to condemn people. This is not for those people. This is for people who are actually going through something as far as being gay and, you know, having to talk to their family about it or just period for knowledge and because if you don't understand where it comes from the root a lot of times you still subconsciously have these beliefs and thoughts in your head and it affects your relationship i know that this stuff still uh, affects my relationships to this day and the way i view relationships and you know i mean not relationship but like carry myself within a relationship it's hard to get through like over that and get through that but books like this have helped me so much when I tell you I used to be shaking when I would be around women that were attracted to me like it was the scariest thing on earth it was just like if I touch her I might drop to hell and burn that's like how scary it was and if it wasn't for these books if it wasn't for me educating myself and like learning on my own and like a lot of work a lot of work i still would be that like i'm still not for everybody i'm not for everybody i just not for everybody period but at the same time like it's crazy so yeah so that's my talk for today i'm like i'm out of words i think the next episode is going to be maybe a roundtable discussion 
um, and I'll decide within the week. But y'all let me know. Hit me up. Um, and stay strong, people. Stay strong because, like, there's a lot of things that we think we know, but we really don't know, and we never really will know. And I think the most important thing is just having a relationship with yourself, being able to talk to your own inner being, and having something, something, some kind of anchor, some kind of rock, regardless of what it is, whether you believe in God or you believe in the universe or you believe in the law of attraction, whatever it is, like, the stuff is real. And LGBT, you have a gift. You have a purpose. There's a reason why you he- you're here. There's a reason why you are who you are. You have gifts to bring to the world. If people don't understand that. Then kick rocks. You know what I'm saying? But it does get better. And, you know, it's just, it's just so much. Even just being in a relationship and dealing with other people that have issues um, with being gay and, like, you know, being with straight people and then them acting like they're not gay and just like all kinds of different situations where it's just sometimes really tough. It's really hard to be visible. You know, I just watched um, the Versace uh, crime story, which was crazy. I just like, like I felt for some things and some stuff and some stuff I was just like, man, this is the epitome of white privilege. Like, if anybody wanted to wonder what white privilege is, it is being able to go cross country, killing up people, and nobody figuring out who you just walking down the street just like a regular old person because, like, what? And then the other side was just, like, this person who nobody, like, he was thrown off, spoiled, all kinds of other stuff. You got to watch it. I don't want to spoil it, but it's dangerous when you don't allow someone to love and I actually want to leave this to leave uh us with a quote or not a quote but with um with James Baldwin one of my heroes um somebody actually asked me like who if you could have a dinner with one person that was no longer alive I said James Baldwin because he was very huge in the civil rights movement but he's also gay and he's out and I just want to know, like, how did you deal with that? Knowing that, you know, these same people that you're going hard for, not to, like a lot of them ain't going to go hard for you. And at the same time, you're dealing in both worlds. How do you deal with that in that time? Like, how did you deal with that? You know? So I'll leave you all with a quote from him. When it was a criminal offense, it is. Mm-hmm. Then that's got removed the law and people started to appear mm-hmm. to accept mm-hmm. back it comes again now because of AIDS it never went anywhere it never went anywhere people's attitudes don't change because the law changes I I know that and the homosexual question is like, like it's like what we call the racial question nobody no man and no woman is precisely what they think they are love mm-hmm. is where you find it and you don't know where you don't know where it will carry you and it is a terrifying thing. Love. It is the only human possibility, but it's terrifying. And a man can fall in love with a man, a woman can fall in love with a woman. There's nothing nothing anybody can do about it. It's not in the province of the law. Hmm. It's nothing you do with the church. Hmm. And if you lie about that, if you lie about that, you lie about everything. Hmm. And no one has a right to try to tell another human being whom he or she can or should love. 
But when you wrote Giovanni's Room a long time ago, that was quite a, a brave book to bring out, wasn't it? It was about love, but it was about homosexual love, but it was about love. But you, about you, but you deliberately put on in homosexual love, presumably. Well, the, the boys in the middle. It's not mm. so much about, homo, it's not about no. homosexuality at all. It's about what happens to you if you can't love anybody. It doesn't make any difference whether you can't love a woman, you can't love a man, mm. if you can't love anybody, you are you are dangerous. Because you have no way of you have no way of learning humility. No way, no way of learning that other people suffer. And no way of learning how to use your suffering and theirs mm. to get from one place to another. In, in short, you fail the human responsibility, which is to love each other. 